John, John chapter 8, <clears throat> I was able to get to, well last week we did a worship and prayer night, so last week we didn't really advance in our uh, study study, um, but if you were there last week it was really, really good and encouraging, but I was able to end at verse 36, so we're going to be picking up in 37 tonight, um, so John 8, verse 37, and we're going we're gonna to get through the rest of the chapter to 59. My voice is already shot from this week, um, so it might be a little shorter. You might luck out. Uh, but John 8, 37. Before we get going, we're going to pray. Because we need the Holy Spirit of our God here. Amen? Need it. Oh. <sighs> Jesus, you are perfect. You are holy. You are blameless. You are King of kings. You are Lord of lords. You are creator of the universe. And Father, we're just thankful that you want to speak to a group like us. Just wretched and failures and sinners and all the rest. But Lord, redeemed, renewed. Father, I pray that you would meet with us tonight, Lord. I don't have anything crazy to say or something super duper smart. Lord, you know me. Simple. So, Father, I pray that you would use the simplicity of your word to change our hearts and to change our minds tonight. Jesus, we need you here. We want you here, but Lord, if we're to get anything out, we need you here. So, Jesus, would your spirit fill me, fill the people in this room, and fill this room, Lord. We need you here, Jesus, and in your holy and precious name, amen. Amen. All right, John 8, 37. 259, but we're just going to, last week, or two weeks ago, I had everybody stand, if you guys remember, and we just read <laughs> 1 through 59. Guys, to be honest, I was thinking it while I was reading. I was like, wow, this is much longer than I thought it would be. <laughs> so we won't do that this week. Um, we're just going to go verse by verse. But as a recap of two weeks ago, um, and I guess not a full recap, but just kind of I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to catch us up to where 37 um, is like tagging on. So in 31 through 36, Jesus says to them, hey, like, if you sin, you shall be a slave to sin. And the Israelites basically respond by, hey, like, we're descendants of, descendants of Abraham, and we've never been in bondage. And I kind of pointed out that's a really ridiculous thing to say, because <laughs> in that moment, they were in bondage to the Romans. And then before them, the Assyrians, before them, Egyptians, Babylonians, all throughout their history. Um, so I'm not sure what they were meaning to say by that. But basically, all that to say is, they're saying, hey, we're Abraham's descendants. We've been in bondage to no one. And that's kind of where we catch up. Um, so verse 37. Let's jump right in. I know that you are Abraham's descendants. Right there, Jesus is basically agreeing them or, or agreeing with them on a um, kind of a lineage, physical, fleshly, like historical um, count of what they're saying. Hey, we're Abraham's descendants. Jesus is basically, he's agreeing with the people of Israel at that point. Hey, yes, you are physically 
in line with Abraham, descendants of Abraham. But we're going to see that progress as we get going, okay? So quick point there. But you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. So basically, Jesus is calling them out, saying, hey, the words that I've been saying, I'm not going to go back through all of it. Um, basically, Jesus has been speaking to, you, to these guys through chapter 8. Go back if you need that context. But back in chapter 8, quickly, Jesus is saying, hey, I bear witness of myself, but not only myself, the Father bears witness of me also. And so he's been going how through, hey, he was sent by the Father. He does the will of the Father. He, the Father bears witness of him and him and himself. Um, and has been speaking to them about his Father. And basically he ends up saying to these guys, but you seek to kill me. And they haven't said this outright, but Jesus seeing their hearts, their hearts intention and their minds intention. You seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. We're going to get into that a little bit further down the line as well. But basically Jesus is kind of cutting to the chase, cutting to the crux of the matter with these people, calling them out. Hey, the things that I've been saying to you the words that I've spoken to you, you desire to kill me because my, the, what I've spoken to you, my word, has no place in you. You are not in a position where you are seeking to hear my words. You're, they wanted to hear Jesus speak, if you listen to the Pharisees and these religious guys. They wanted him to speak, but their intention with that was to catch Jesus in a lie. They wanted to catch Jesus in a fallacy or um, breaking the law, saying something uh, blasphemous or something that they could turn on him and, and tear him apart with. They weren't there to hear Jesus speak truth. They weren't here to hear, there to hear from the Messiah. Jesus is saying, hey, my word has no place in you, and that's why you want to kill me. And easy, right off the rip, or, um, application for us, as believers and I believe most of us in the building right now are, the Lord's word has taken place and taken a place in our lives. Amen? At one point or another, God's word has made it through just the crust and the hardness of heart and pride and all the junk that gets in the way and hit us right here, and we responded. Amen? And there was that, we talked about it, I think it was Matthew 5, Beatitudes, where it was just like, hey, um, basically goes down the list and says, hey, like, if you realize that you are these things, you have a need for me. If you're a believer in this building, we've come to that, right? So these guys, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, getting ahead of myself. But the application continues if life continues and we can get to a spot where, whether it be because of unconfessed sin, hardness of heart, pride, the Lord's word can kind of not have a place in our heart the way that it used to. And I don't want to harp on this because I really do want to get through the end of it. But guys, as I was reading it, I couldn't help but notice, hey, Jesus is saying to these guys, my word has no place in you. Let's make sure that the Lord's word has not only a place in our heart, but reverence, authority, and respect in our hearts. And a needness. We need his word in our heart. Amen? Quick point there, but I just wanted to point that out. These guys had a whole different thing going on. I don't think any of us in here look to show up on a Wednesday night to catch somebody in heresy or twist their words. If you are, repent. That's wrong. But I don't think that's our heart here. But guys, I just wanted to say, I know I've been in a place in my life where I've read, and it's just falling to the floor. And there's no place there. And the Lord needs to break up that hard-heartedness, get to the good, good soil, so that his word has a place in our heart. Amen? So for these guys, it was something different. 
But for us, I think that's a cool application. May the Lord's word have a place in your heart. Amen? Sweet. We go on. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. Again, I'm not going to go too into that because two weeks ago we kind of broke into that a little more. 39. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to him, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Sorry, guys, excuse me. You guys may be wondering. Well, they basically claim, hey, Abraham is our father. And Jesus calls him on it. If Abraham was your father, you would do the works of Abraham. Now, what was the work of Abraham, if you guys are thinking? He had what, and the Lord counted to him as righteousness, faith. That's what's being alluded to here, and that's kind of what I said at the beginning. When they said, hey, we're descendants of Abraham. Yes, they were physically, genealogically, but spiritually, Abraham, when it came down to it, believed the word of God, believed in the word of God and took steps of faith. And it was counted unto him as righteousness. And that's what Jesus is pointing to with these guys. Hey, if you were really a descendant of Abraham, you would be like Abraham and you would hear my words in faith. But that's not what they're doing here. They're looking at the flesh level. They're looking at the easy plane here. But Jesus had his eyes on the heart. Amen? As a pastor's kid, this spoke to me. Because relativity to righteousness does not equal righteousness. My dad is super solid. I love him very much. I talk about him probably too much on Wednesdays. I'll get over it as time goes on, I'm sure. But just because my dad was solid and loves the Lord, and my mom loves the Lord, and Pastor Steve loves the Lord, and I'm here on Sundays, and I'm around these guys, that does not mean kids with awesome godly moms and dads, or with godly grandma, grandpa, whatever it is, that does not mean that you're good to go spiritually. There needs to be a decision of your own, not just relying on the righteousness or the awesomeness of family, past or present, but there needs to be your own faith played into action. Amen? And that's what these guys are saying. Hey, Abraham's our father and Jesus calls on it. Hey, if he was your father, you would act in faith. But he says, you do the deeds of your father. And he hasn't really gotten to that yet. I read it last or two weeks ago, but we're going to get into it really soon here. Then they said to him, and this is where truly their, their wicked heart comes out. Their, their evil intent, their grossness, their flesh really kind of comes bubbling up. Then they said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. And that was it right there. Jesus calls on him, hey, if you were really Abraham's descendants, you would do the works of Abraham, but you don't. You do the will of your father. And they say, we have one father, God, and we were not born of fornication like you, is basically what they were saying. Gross. Just discriminatory, just ugly. Have you ever been in an argument like that and it's like somewhat civil and all of a sudden the person gets maybe a little too heated or a little carried away in the moment and just bah! Hits you with something gnarly and you're like, 
whoa, not cool. And that's basically what's going on here. He, there's no doubt challenging these Pharisees and these religious people. But basically, Jesus says this, and it gets to the point where he basically says, like, they, well, they almost have, like, the ugliness in their flesh rear up at him and say, hey, we're not born of fornication like you. We have one Father, God. Gnarly. And that was obviously, obviously, comes from their lack of a belief in his supernatural birth. But again, just their judgment of Jesus on the flesh. And he didn't match what their religious standards were. And that's what they held him to. But obviously that just comes from their lack of faith and belief in his supernatural birth. Um, and it bubbles over obviously here and in their minds, discredits everything he's saying. All his claims. We go on. 42. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. Jesus basically says, If God is your father, if you really knew God, if you knew your father, you would love me. I don't know how anybody can read the Bible and we're going to get to it later and claim that Jesus never claimed to be God when he says things like this. <laughs> this is radical. You claim to have God as your father. If you loved your father, you would love me. Basically saying, if you really knew your God, you would know and you would understand the words that I'm saying to you and that I come from God. Crazy. Beautiful. Only our Jesus can say that, by the way. Amen. That's only our God. Heavy statement. Beautiful statement. I'm going to keep rolling. Sorry, guys. You are of your father, the devil. <laughs> Got him. Man down. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Not sugarcoating this one bit. When's the last time you guys evangelized like this? Gnarly. We have that evangelism class on Tuesdays going on now. We just had the first night. Um, I was watching Jesse, but Marissa was able to go. And she comes home, and she's stoked, and she's telling me a bit about it, and it was just awesome. I'm super stoked that we're doing it. If you guys are interested, Tuesday nights, check it out. Excuse me. Too late? Oh, yeah, miss signups. You're clipped. You're done. But I'm not sure this is what <laughs> is being taught. But I can't help but remember that Jesus loves these guys and loves the people that he's speaking to. They're lost and they're prideful and they have a hardened heart and they're bitter. But I look at this speech, Jesus saying, oh no, you don't know who your, like your father really is. Your father is the devil. And you are, want to murder like him because that's what he does. And you lie like he does because he is the father of lies. And I look at that and our first reaction is like, whoa, Jesus. Wow, that's bold. That's big. But I wonder if the Lord knew that that's the kind of speech and the kind of thing that these people, these individuals would need to hear if there was at all any possibility of their hearts changing. They had wicked, evil-intended hearts towards him 
And so Jesus didn't sugarcoat a thing and was very blunt with them. But I got to think that, and I think we know people this way too, that sometimes people just need the really, really hard truth. And that may be what Jesus was doing here. I think obviously it was also a point of clarity for them. They wanted to claim that their God was, um, that their father was God. And he's saying, no, spiritually, absolutely not. And so I think he's just being absolutely real with them and up front with and confronting what their thoughts were regarding their father and he's being very real with them. But also I wonder if that was, if anything was going to get to these guys and shake them up, I wonder if that's the kind of language that was needed. I don't know. Do, that, do with that what you will. But that's kind of what I got from reading that. Take that with a grain of salt, but that's what I see. Nevertheless, Jesus, point blank, your father's the devil. I'm sure they took that great. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? 47 is a good one, big one. He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. Heavy. Who's he talking to? Israelites, the religious rulers, the Pharisees, the guys trying to tag him. And he says, you are not of God. Men who no doubtedly have been in school since a young, young age and devoted their lives to the study of the Torah, the law, seeking God, and Jesus, God, basically says to them, hey, if you don't hear my words, if my speech, if you're unable to hear my speech, you are not of God. If you cannot hear my words, you are not of God. This is an interesting point, and it made me think of that old phrase like, oh, we're all children of God. Oh, we're all just, we're all just children of God. Making it one way or the other, we're just children of God. We're going to figure out our way, our path. That's not what's taught. That's not what Jesus is delivering here. And he's saying this to the Israel, Israelites, his people. Praise the Lord that you and I have heard his word. Amen. Like I said earlier, we're so blessed that for whatever sin we were in, whatever junk we were in, the Lord in his grace and in his mercy got through, his word got through to our hearts and we were able to accept it. Praise the Lord. Amen. But there are some of those who will not hear God's word, whose hearts will be hardened, who have no desire to hear God's word, and they are not of God. We're not all just floating along to our one beautiful last destination. As David taught on Sunday, there's a narrow road and a wide one, and many will go down the wide, broad road and perish. But there is one standing on that road, Jesus, and you're either with him or you're not. That goes back to that 44, that harsh, harsh delivery. He's being very clear with these guys. Man, I wonder how they reacted. Actually, we know. Verse 48. Then the Jews answered and said to him, Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. 
And I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. They basically say, aren't you a Samaritan, like a half-blood and a demoniac? You have a demon. What are you talking about? He's basically the wild claim that Jesus makes here to these guys. And their response in 48 is like, you're demon-possessed, man. You are off your rocker. You're a half-blood and you, are, you have a demon. And Jesus responds, hey, I, I do not have a demon. Demon? 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 Demon. But I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. Jesus, in chapter 8 before, go back and read it, was very clear that he always honors the Father. Amen? We're going to see later in the verse, I think it's 55, he'll clear this up, but Jesus is not being dishonest. He is completely upfront and righteous in his words to these guys. 50 I really liked. And I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. One capitalized. Jesus in his ministry on earth did not seek his own glory. He received it when it was given. There were times where he, it's not time yet. But there are other times where he did receive glory. Not his full heavenly glory, but praise. True humility, guys, was wrapped up in our Jesus. He was meek and he was humble perfectly. He did not seek his own glory. Guys, that should be a and darn near impossible because I know my own flesh and I'm sure you guys know yours. I seek my own glory all the time. Shame on me for that. And I think if we're honest with each other, we, we seek our own glory. But Jesus says something remarkable here. Hey, I do not seek my own glory. That is true and perfect humility from our Jesus. Amen? I really like that. 51, most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Are Christians going to die? Yes. So obviously, Jesus here is not speaking of a physical death that we will not see, but a spiritual death. I know that's pretty basic and upfront for us here, but obviously in 52, they did not get it. Sorry, guys. Then the Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead, and the prophets, and you say, If anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. Basically, they call him out and say, Now we know you're demon-possessed. And I wonder if they were stoked. They were like, Aha! Gotcha. Now we know you have a demon. If you say anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. Abraham is dead, and the prophets too. What do you say about that? If anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. Also, they twisted Jesus' words there, if you look at it. If anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. If anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. Notice that. Do with that what you will. Moving on. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead, and the prophets are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? Who, who do you say you are? Who do you think you are, Jesus? Are you greater than Abraham and the prophets? Who are dead? Are you greater than they? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. 
It is my Father who honors me, of whom, that, of whom you say that he is your God. <whistles> Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Jesus with an amazing response here. They ask him up front, who do you make yourself out to be? He says, hey, I don't honor myself. My honor is nothing if it's for me, but my Father honors me. Again, going back into this previous chapter 8 of that relationship with the Father and the Son, and how the Father was a witness to the Son, the Father honored the Son. And Jesus says here, hey, of this God that you say is your Father, he honors me. Radical. If I say that I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. <laughs> I, I'm not sure what else to say on these verses, guys. I just was kind of baffled at Jesus' brutal approach, what would seem. Not brutal in the sense of not the way that we would necessarily envision or think about brutal, but just very blunt. And I love what he says to them. Hey, if I say that I don't know my father, I'm, I'll be a liar like you. And previously he spe- said to them, hey, I always do the things that honor my father. So here he is again. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Now, 56 was interesting. There are some, and, and I find myself pretty close in this camp, that basically they might say to him, well, they do in 57. I'll read that real quick. Then the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? So Jesus in 56 says, hey, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And they would have gone, you are not yet 50. And you say that Abraham rejoiced to see your day? What are you talking about? I believe if you check out Genesis 15 and the high priest Melchizedek when he greets Abraham on the road there after returning with Lot. Melchizedek quite possibly being a Christophany. So Abraham could have seen Jesus there on that road with the high priest Melchizedek from Salem, the king of peace. Could have been that. Study up on that on your own. Or it could have been just that, what Jesus was talking about earlier, that when, Jesus, when Abraham was with God, he was obedient to God. And I think those both work. But basically, Jesus makes a radical claim here. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. 58. Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before, oh, I'm sorry, did I read 57? I did, I'm sorry, guys. 58. We'll read it again because it's great. Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. The Tetragrammaton, like claiming 
a divine name, a name of deity right in front of these guys. Again, I, like I said earlier, when somebody says, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. Where can you point in the Bible that says he claimed to be God? You take them straight to John 8, 58. And how do we know that it was exactly what? Well, he's not saying I am God. Check out the response of the, the Pharisees and the boys. Then they took up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them and so passed by. Those guys knew exactly what Jesus was saying. They know exactly the name that Jesus was using, Yahweh, right there. Oh, I don't know. They grabbed stones immediately to stone him, to kill him there, right there. That was gnarly enough in their mind and blasphemous enough in their mind to execute judgment on the spot. But here we see Jesus claiming deity. I love that we are not confused as believers of that. Amen. Jesus is God. That's it, guys. And I didn't have a ton of, of major points or major applications. Um, but I just wanted to read through that and share what I put down in my notes. Um, yeah, I hope the Lord has something in there for you guys. We're going to pray it out, and we're going to dismiss. But man, go over through that, those last verses, because man, they're huge. I was super blessed by it. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Let's pray it up. Amen. Jesus, thank you for your word. Father, I pray that you were honored tonight, and if there's anything that I said that was foolish or ought to be tossed aside or dismissed, Lord, would it be just casted from our minds and from our hearts? But, Lord, of what was true and what was right, Lord, would it just sink deep into our hearts and minds? And, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that you are God. Lord, thank you that you did always please the Father. Lord, help us to please the Father, to please you, Lord, in our actions. Lord, we love you so much. Bless this evening. Help everybody to get home safe. We love you, Jesus, and in your name, amen. All right, guys, thank you.